athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. As always, thank you for joining me on the dopest show on radio. From the press box to press row, I am your host, Donald Ware. We got a whole lot to get to today on the program the NBA draft took place on Thursday, and um, no surprise in terms of the number one pick. And I, you know, to me, there were a lot of storylines that came out of this year's NBA draft. W- one of the storylines, you know, that I really looked at was the fact that Duke had four players, count them, four players that were taken in this year's NBA draft. Uh, in, in matter of fact, yeah, so four in the NBA draft, three in the first round, one in the second. And, you know, we talk about these one-and-done uh, kids or really a lot of these kids that uh, that don't uh, play the full four years uh, of their eligibility. But, you know, Duke had a, a, a nice sample size, uh, if you will, because you have a Grayson Allen who did play all four years. And I'll tell you what, the first time I had a chance to see uh, Grayson Allen play was uh, his sophomore year. I had a chance to see him play in person. And, you know, it was against Carolina. Um, it was at Cameron Indoor. And when I had a chance, you know, when I saw him play, I'm like, this kid, to me, um, is an NBA player. I, I thought as a sophomore eventually he was going to be an NBA player now certainly you know he had a lot of the uh you know a lot of the issues especially with the tripping and so forth but to me I mean it didn't you know speak to uh the 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 talent that this kid had and listen you know you know you you, you and I bring this up about Duke because when you know, at one time when you had players that um, were either one and done kids, I guess more specifically one and done kids or players that, in fact, uh, were going to be guys that that weren't going to be four year guys. And if you remember, Coach K was one of those guys or one of the coaches that really didn't you know, necessarily subscribe or like the one and done guys. But ultimately you have. You know, when 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 a when a new rule comes about, you ultimately have to kind of go with where the times are, if you will. And so, I mean, he's you know he's got Wendell Carter that's drafted, and obviously Marvin Bagley that uh, that goes number two to Sacramento. You know, and then it, but he, but again, he had a mixture of kids four that ultimately got drafted. Just shows you um, that even if you come in come to the party a little bit late. You can adapt, and that's what uh, Coach K and that Duke program has, in fact, done only, you know, not that far removed from winning another national title. So a lot of storylines with respect to this year's NBA draft that we're going to get to today here on the program. Let me set the table for you today here on From the Press Box to Press Road. Joining us today on the program, as a matter of fact, uh, the wife of Grant Hill. Speaking of Duke, as a matter of fact, uh, the wife of Grant Hill, but not just the wife of Grant Hill, a star in her own right, Tamia, R&B singer Tamia, going to join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. She's got a new album coming out, as a matter of fact. And want to, you know, want to talk about, you know, the the album she's going to have coming out, her 20 years uh, in the industry, um, and then of course, I mean, when you, I mean, Grant Hill's doing some big things, as a matter of fact, uh, in the commentating 
department. And uh, just going to switch gears a little bit today on the program as R&B singer Tamia going to join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Our HBCU football daily podcast kicked off on Monday and we or actually, excuse me, it's kicked off on Tuesday and we started things off with Edward Waters and you know, it's gaining some momentum. We're hearing from people who are really into it. I mean, we're, you know, we're in towards the latter part of June now and uh, football season about a couple of really about a couple of months away now, about maybe what, a little bit more than maybe a little bit more now than 60 days. And we want to, you know, we, we started this on last year and really wanted to get uh, you involved. We're, we're previewing all 50 HBCU playing institutions. Uh, really, we, we say 50, but there's uh, really in actuality 52 when you count Virginia University of Lynchburg, who's really had some problems over the last couple of years in terms of some of the games that they've scheduled to play and actually playing those games. But we're still going to preview them at some point, although they're not on the schedule right now. And then Allen. Um, reinstituted its football program. Those that are not familiar with Allen University, Allen University is in Columbia, South Carolina. They actually brought their football program back in 2002. It didn't work out. I, I can't remember if it, if it lasted for a couple of years. It ultimately didn't work out. They disbanded the program and this year have brought or has brought the program back. And uh, so we're previewing all 50 HBCU football playing institutions. As a matter of fact, uh, to this point, you can log on to our website at BoxToRow.com. BoxToRow.com, we previewed four uh, teams this year, uh, beginning with Edward Waters, then uh, Texas College, uh, then West Virginia State. And on Friday, our latest HBCU podcast that's up features Langston. A lot of you are going to remember Langston from last year. If you follow HBCU football, Langston had a tremendous season last year, uh, ultimately went 10-1. They they ran through the regular season at 10-0, finished at 10-1, and, and then ultimately uh, they uh, lost in the first round of the NAIA playoffs. They hosted a home game. But anyway, I... I you know, one of the, the more of the surprise teams to me last year was West Virginia State and John Pennington in his first year as the head coach. Previous to that, he had been the offensive coordinator. And West Virginia State had its first winning season since 2008, going 6-5 and five on last year. A lot of that may have been unexpected. So we want to promote the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. I want you to get a feel for what you're going to be able to hear from the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. And so we're going to actually replay part of the interview with West Virginia State head football coach John Pennington, who had a lot to say so you can get a feel for what you'll hear on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, which is going to resume on Monday as we take a look at Lincoln of Missouri. Join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. A couple of ways that you can do that. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W, or on Facebook, B O X, the number two, R O W. Thank you to all of those listening to us on our great affiliates. I mean, we have close to 40 affiliates around the country that carry this program, that carry From the Press Box to Press Row. I mean, you know, I think about a lot of the affiliates that we have and, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, we got Buzz Sports Radio in the in in, in the Raleigh Durham area and, uh, you know, WGBN has been carrying us for quite some time in Pittsburgh and, uh, you know, you, you go all the way uh, to uh, KALU uh, in Langston, Oklahoma that carries the program uh, in Tampa, WURK, more of a, a newbie, uh, if you will, but they've been carrying the program now for uh, about a year or so. So many great affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. want to also thank you to those listening to us on Sirius XM, Channel 142, and those listening to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. Big shots out to uh, all of our truck drivers that listen to
to us uh, as they uh, go from one part of the country to another, one part of the state to another, et cetera, et cetera. Those that are listening to us on satellite radio, the truck drivers more specifically on Sirius XM channel 142. So here's how the uh, draft sort of played out, especially in the first round. No surprise, DeAndre uh, Ayton from Arizona went number one to Phoenix. And no surprise there. He's a big man, a seven-footer, has a lot of skills. And, uh, I th- you know, you, you talk about storylines. I mean, you look at the Phoenix Suns. I mean, they, you know, they got the kid Booker who's there who has, uh, uh, you know, essentially no help. And that was, uh, you know, I talked about this a little bit last week where you got a Phoenix organization that, you know, was pretty much a, a contender Certainly going back some 10 years ago, uh, you know, Steve Nash and, uh, you know, Barbosa and, you know, all of those guys. I mean, you know, they they just fell on and and they just really fell on some hard times. But hopefully they're going to be able to come out. I mean, they get, you know, the Bridges kid from Villanova, who I I think is really I mean, this this kid can play. He can shoot it. He can take it to the holes got great athleticism uh, athleticism comes from a winning program of course that's the deal the the trade that they made um you know with the 76ers uh which we saw a lot of trades as a matter of fact also so a couple of first round picks uh, for phoenix and 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 you know it's not going to happen in in one year and we'll see what they do and i don't know their salary cap situation i don't know about in in terms of what they can do uh, from a salary cap perspective and being able to get some free agents, but to be able to get some young talent like that to kind of go along with Booker. I mean, they can't really, they can't do anything but improve. Of course, the second pick goes to the Sacramento or Marvin Bagley. I should say Marvin Bagley, the third more specifically out of Duke, one of the four Duke kids um, that was picked goes in the second round to Sacramento. And then again, Uh, We just had a lot of trades. Um, A lot was made of the kid Luka Doncic. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, I mean, he's considered, you know, I've read in a lot of publications where a lot of folks say, and I, you know, I don't know a lot about him, but a lot of, you know, he's definitely talented and, and supposedly the real deal. Hadn't seen, you know, hadn't seen him play, obviously, or really anything, you know, on film. But a lot of folks say that and we always say a lot of folks say that seems to be the, 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 the new catchphrase. A lot of folks say that this kid may be the best Euro kid ever, you know, and that's high praise. And now, you know, he, he's he, he goes to Dallas. He goes to the Mavericks on a trade. So now the Mavericks have him and you know i mean I, I think you know you talk about dirk Nowitzki and being you know in dallas for you know 20 years uh you know this is a kid that could be in dallas for a very very long time um as well so uh you know dallas able to to try to make something happen as they try and rebuild jaron jackson jr out of michigan state goes forward to memphis boy memphis really ho- hopefully this is a piece there's been there had been a lot of tra- uh, talks with respect to whether memphis would actually make a trade or what memphis is going to do this again you know the season that the grizzlies had and mike wallace the senior editor of grind city media joined us throughout the year here on from the press box to press row we talked a lot about the grizzlies and Wow, you, you you just wonder, what, you know, Mike Conley was injured and just what happened with the Grizzlies uh, last year, considering they had made the playoffs for so many straight years. Let's step aside, take a break, come back, talk more about the NBA draft as from the press box to press row rolls on. You're listening to from the press box to press row. Let's continue talking to NBA draft here on from the press box to press row still to come. R&B singer Tamia going to join us on the program. Plus, I'm going to give you a little bit of a taste of the HBCU football daily podcast, which is up on our website right now. Box to row dot com. Box to row dot com. Kicking the HBCU football season or previewing the HBCU football season off a little early. We, we uh, talked about the number four pick, Jaron Jackson Jr., number five, another trade as um, the Mavericks traded its their pick 
uh, of Trey Young to the Hawks. So, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, people say, again, people say um, Trey Young reminds them a lot of Steph Curry. I, you know, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I remember when Steph Curry came out of Davidson, a smaller school. And when when I saw Steph Curry play, I'm like, you know, He's going to be an NBA player just because of his range. I think when you have that kind of range, um, obviously Trey Young was a guy that played at a higher level that got a lot more um, respect, if you will, just because he played at Oklahoma. You know, he sort of Oklahoma just sort of um, just went, you know, they, they sort of went down as the season progressed and, probably should not have made the NCAA tournament, and I think that played out because they lost in the first round even though they had only won two of their last, you know, it seemed like they had only won like two of their last 15 games or something like that to sort of end the season. But, you know, I think Trey Young's going to be solid. I think he's going to be a solid player in the league. Um, definitely has the ball handling skills, and that's something that he has now that Steph Curry had to develop over his time. Plus, uh, with respect to Trey Young, he can shoot the basketballs. So I think ultimately, you know, he's going to be a solid player. Number six, um, Orlando took uh, Muhammad Bamba out of Texas, another seven-foot guy with a lot of athleticism. Orlando is a, another organization that needs a lot of help. And number seven, the Bulls took uh, Wendell Carter Jr., another Duke kid. Um, you know, again, Duke was just absolutely loaded on last year Cleveland so it's a lot of, of, of talk Colin Sexton goes number eight uh the kid out of Alabama uh to the Cavaliers and you know what 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 is LeBron James ultimately going to do as we get a little bit closer to NBA free agency of course uh LeBron James and um you know his his inner circle sort of keeping things close to the vest um, I, I don't think, I think I may have mentioned this last week as well. I mean, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that um, LeBron, and maybe not even last week. I mean, I think I've mentioned this before that Le- LeBron James could ultimately stay in Cleveland. To me, it's not out of the realm of possibility that that could happen, but certainly we'll kind of see how those things play out. Kevin Knox uh, out of Kentucky goes number nine to the Knicks. Um, again, Bridges, 10th uh, to the 76ers, but traded to Phoenix. Really like Bridges, and again, he's a winner. Um, number 11, and the Charlotte Hornets take the Alexander kid out of Kentucky. They trade him to the Clippers, and ultimately the Clippers pick at number 12. They pick Miles Bridges, the two teams swap. So now you have uh, Charlotte getting Bridges. And the Clippers getting Alexander and, you know, interesting dynamic dynamic for the Hornets because they, you know, you you, you can you can uh, agree to make certain deals prior to the opening of um, the free agency and the NBA trading and, and so forth. And so one of the things I was reading earlier in the week that I thought was interesting is that the Hornets are going to give up. Uh, Dwight Howard uh, and they're going to trade Howard um, to the uh, see to the Lakers for uh, Timothy Moskov. If you remember Moskov, part of the uh, Cavaliers for so many years, got that big deal for the Lakers and has didn't even really play. Uh, quite frankly, didn't even really play that much on last year. Um, I, I thought and, and, you know, I mean, I didn't follow. I mean, we're here in North Carolina, but didn't we're in Raleigh. Of course, you got the Charlotte Hornets didn't follow the Hornets that closely. But if you look at the numbers in terms of what Dwight Howard was able to post this year, and that's why numbers don't always tell the story. I mean, he posted 16 and 12 this year. He had a 30 30 game this year. But, you know, from all that I read, he just wasn't a great fit. He wasn't necessarily a great teammate plus you know within the confines of the offense which may change a little bit now with um you know and that mitch cupcheck comes in as the general manager um you know a new coach he just he, he you know nick batum who was signed was their max guy from a couple of years ago 
just didn't fit quite in with the system um, that the Hornets were running. And I mentioned Moskov with the Lakers. Actually, he's with the Nets. He was with the Lakers. He signed his deal with the Lakers and now ultimately with the Nets. So, you know, I I mean, if you look at it just from a pure, you know, I mean, you know, to get Moskov back for Howard, I mean, I would take Howard every day. But, again, that's why the numbers sometimes lie. Plus, it's a money thing. Moskov set to make a whole bunch of money, as is uh, Dwight Howard. But. You know, Charlotte, interestingly enough, just a couple of years ago was a playoff team, and now they have back-to-back 36-win um, seasons. And number 13, the Clippers. And look at the Clippers. I mean, uh, you know, Jerome Robinson, they take him at number 13 out of Boston College. Uh, number 14, the Denver Nuggets, and that was the last pick, the, the last pick of the lottery, and they were able to get Michael Porter Jr. out of Missouri. Small sample size, um, very much like what we, we've seen in the past from some guys. Um, you know, a lot, out of Missouri, again, only played, I think, something like 56 minutes for Missouri because of injuries. And, you know, one of the other dynamics to me um, about this year's NBA draft is the fact that how many freshman kids that we saw pick, but even more specifically, Aiton goes number one as a freshman. So this makes it like seven or eight straight years that a a freshman has gone number one. There's been some talk about the, about the NBA getting rid of the one and done rule. There's been some talk about that. And, and, and I think, the interesting part of it is this are the do some of these kids and and, in speaking about and this speaks directly to Michael Porter because he was a guy that definitely was going to be a one and done kid but was also a guy coming out of high school that you could have said doesn't need college could have gone straight to the NBA as well so will ultimately and it will if they if the NBA decides to get rid of the one and done rule will they ultimately get rid of the rule if it does happen, it's going to be a few years from now because how much does it really help? How much does that one year really, really help? I'm sure it does, but does it impede the guys, uh, you know, just from a, just from a standpoint of being able to be old enough, um, you know, again, if you're old enough to, to, to join the military, to vote to all of these different things, why can't you go right into the league? I mean, I, I'm just getting off a little bit from the NBA draft, but certainly I can understand um, why the NBA did it, instituted this rule, because for all of the Kobe Bryant's of the world and the Kevin Garnett's of the world and, you know, I mean, heck, let's go back in the day to the Daryl Dawkins, you know, of the world who 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 who, uh, you know, uh, Moses Malone, guys who, who who never played college ball and went right from high school to the league. You got a lot of guys that don't make it that aren't ready. So I can sort of understand that. But, you, I mean, we got a, we had a lot of freshmen picked in this class. Aiton goes number one. And then, again, the last pick of the lottery. The only reason Porter went down uh, to that last pick in the lot in the lottery is because he has these back issues he had back spasms a little bit more recently where he had to cancel a workout. But I think that if, you know, if he's healthy, that's going to be a really good pick, uh, a big pick for Denver, who was what a game away from making the NBA playoffs this past year. So I think, you know, if he's healthy, he's going to be able to come in and have an immediate impact. Um, the Wizards go with Troy Brown, the shooting guard from Oregon at number 15. Mentioned the fact um, Z, uh, that the Smith kid uh, out of Texas Tech to Phoenix at number 16 ultimately traded to the 76ers. Uh, number 17, Milwaukee gets Dante DiVincenzo out of Villanova. Athletic kid, again, comes from a winning program. Had a really good – They he was a kid that – May was going to come back to Villanova, put his hat in the draft, had a really, really some really good workouts, uh, really athletic kid, can shoot the basketball um, again as a winner. Um, so so Milwaukee, uh, again, looking to improve its team, made the playoffs on last year. Um, they get they get him out of Villanova. 
Uh, number 18, San Antonio goes with Lonnie Walker, the fourth out of Miami. Um, again, a lot of talk about uh, what Kawhi Leonard is going to do. And now it seems like the Spurs want to talk things out with Kawhi Leonard. That is the biggest mess that is going on uh, right now. And, you know, you just didn't expect to see that from San Antonio. Is it possible that Kawhi could ultimately still stay stay in San Antonio? Doesn't seem like that could be the case right now, but we'll ultimately see how things play out. Atlanta, number 19, goes with Kevin Herter out of Maryland, 20, Minnesota. Josh uh, Okogi out of Georgia Tech. Grayson Allen, another Duke kid again, goes number 21 to Utah. Quinn Snyder's the coach there. Uh, it was a was a Duke player, a Duke assistant coach at one time. Uh, should be a good fit for Grayson Allen. Chandler Hutchinson out of Boise State, number 22 to Chicago, number 23, Aaron Holiday. Now you got three Holiday brothers in the NBA, the uh, point guard out of UCLA. Number 24, Portland took Anthony Sims. Uh, number 25, the Lakers took Mortis Wagner out of Michigan. And number 26, the 76ers, another first-round pick. Trust the process. Landry Shamit out of Wichita State. Number 27, Boston selected Robert Williams, the big center, out of Texas A&M. Golden State at number 28, Jacob Evans out of Cincinnati. Got to see if he's going to be able to even make the squad. I mean, Golden State is absolutely loaded. Um, you get the Musa kid um, out of Croatia to the Nets at number 29. And then rounding out. Uh, the first round, Atlanta goes with Omari Spellman out of Villanova. Again, Villanova getting another pick as well, the national champs. So there you have it, the rundown of the NBA draft. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk with R&B singer Tamia. Those who can do. Those who can't talk. So talk already. Call 1-800-241-0421 toll-free and join Donald Ware in the conversation. From the press box to press row. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And it's, you know, it's always good to be joined by music royalty. Uh, as a matter of fact, my next guest uh, getting set to come out with her seventh, count them, seventh studio album, Passion Like Fire. And the new single uh, is big time. It is Leave It Smoking. She is the one and only Tamia. She joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Road. Tamia, welcome back to the program. Oh, thank you for having me. Glad to be back. Absolutely. You know, I, wa- I want to start here because, um, you know, I really am digging the song Leave It Smoking. It's, you know, it's up-tempo Maybe a little bit different from what you've been known for, especially going back some 20 years. Your career has spanned a long time. We'll talk more about that. But talk to us a little bit about the inspiration behind the single Leave It Smoking, which is top 10 right now, by the way. So excited. Yes, it is. Um, So excited about that. Yeah, it's, um, it's, you know, it's been, yeah, like 20 years. And I guess, um, you know, started out with ballads and things like that. But I've had several um, mid-tempo um, records can't get enough and things like that. So it's definitely still in that same round, but it kind of gives, has like a kind of throwback vibe to it, which I love. And I co-wrote that with Salam Remy. We were in Miami. Um, nothing says sexy summertime like Miami. So yep. um, leave it smoking is was a given. Yeah, no question about it. What about the album? It's it's set to come out a little bit later on uh, this year. T- talk to us a little bit about that and. Um, you know, what we can expect from the album. Yeah, the album, Passion Like Fire, um, now, you know, the release date I know is September 7th. So I'm super excited about that. I can't wait for people to hear it. Um, And um, really excited about the the songs on there. And, you know, but the best part actually is is getting out there and performing. And and that's sort of where the the songs come to life. So I'm looking forward to touring um, in the fall as well. Absolutely. What are some of the some of the is it going to be a mixture maybe of of some of the up tempo um, uh, stuff? That Absolutely. You, yeah. OK, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I'm sorry. I think for me, the um, the album an album should, you know, for the most part, I think about relationships, love. 
highs and lows. And um, and that's what an album should be. It should just, you know, emulate a relationship. You know, there's there's ups and downs. There's, you know, times when you're coming to some understanding. And, um, you know, uh, so so the album is very much like that. That, the voice of Tamia, she joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Um, and as a matter of fact, you said September 7th, correct? The new album uh, is going to be 7th, September yeah. 7th. Mm-hmm. So be on the lookout for that passion like fire. So it's interesting because the album, this is 2018, obviously, and your first album came out back in 98. So that's a 20 year span. Um, you know, right. th- th- does it seem like it's been 20 years since you've been in this game? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, you know, it's it's so interesting, right? Because it's you you don't feel like that much time has passed. I mean, um, you know, I certainly you know between you put a move on my heart and now passion like fire. Um, certainly, I realize some years have gone by, but not until I really start to put a show together and realize how many songs I have to get into one show do I realize a lot of time has gone by. So. Um, but I feel certainly very fortunate to be able to continue to do what I love and, you know, for, for people to support me in that. No, absolutely. Love Life was the last album back in 2015. Um, yeah. What, yeah. So can, can you kind of speak to maybe some of the the, the similarities, if if there are, and, and, and in that same vein, some of the differences between Love Life and the forthcoming album? Right. Well, you know, same with Love Life. I mean, pretty much all my albums uh, talk about love and relationships and the highs and lows. And this one, Passion Like Fire, is the same way. Um, it's about relationships, you know, highs and lows, and, and also about evolving. You know, there's a song on the album called Deeper, and um, one of the questions when we were writing was, you know, how do you think you love differently now than before? And I said Deeper. I, I definitely love Deeper. Um, and because I think you're, you're more sort of self-aware and you're more like appreciative of, of all the love given to you as well. And, and you, you understand how powerful that is. So, um, hopefully people will also see, you know, that I have evolved musically and, and, you know, and vocally, of course, um, growing older and things like that. So, um, you know, definitely I, I just hope people see that, you know, the music is continuing to evolve, but there's still a lot of similarities with, you know, with Passion Like Fire and the other albums. And, and that's basically that I continue to do music that speaks to me, that I love, and um, that I'm very proud to continue to sing now. Um, you know, I'm as proud to sing You Put a Move on My Heart as, uh, you know, Leave It Smoking. So, um, I think that's super important as an artist to be proud of of the work, that, the body of work that you're leaving behind. You know, I'm I'm proud of all your music, especially over this 20 years. But I, I gotta say, thank you. Um, you know, for me, and just taking you back, "Stranger in My House." That's oh, the yeah. song for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Listen, I, I, I. Um, that's a song um, written by Shep Crawford that we worked on this project as well together. I think I worked on almost every project with Shep, but, um, and, uh, yeah, that was just a masterpiece. That was uh, uh, an amazing song. Yeah, what do you remember most, um, you know, that was that was your third year, at least in the in the business on, on, on a major label, but what do you remember most about those early days in your career? Um, well, you know, I, I, I often think about this, like, I, it it happened. It it all was so fast. Um, you know, certainly nowadays, I think with the internet and with you know shows um, like American Idol and things like that, people have sort of an idea of of what the music business is about. Um, and back then, I you you really didn't. You sort of just. <laughs> You know, I went on a world tour with Quincy Jones when I was like 19, 20 years old. Like that's pretty incredible. Um and and now looking back at it, I'm like that's pretty amazing. But during during that time, I was just really just working, just you know, getting the job done. And um I wish I'd really taken a little bit more time to like let it all sink in, but um but it's 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 been a, an amazing ride. Yeah, how I think you may have touched on it, but maybe a little bit more specifically. And we're joined by, of course, the one and only Tamia. How how do you feel like you've grown uh, as an artist in these now twenty years? 
Well, certainly um, business-wise, for sure, the music business has changed, and, and, and your end of the music business has changed as well, like radio and things like that with um, the way people listen to music and, and all of that. Um, and then and certainly just just vocally, you know, just growing and, and learning and certainly now really being mindful of taking care of my voice and things like that. Um, you know, it's like when you're younger, you could just get out there and run the track without stretching, and now you need to stretch a little bit. So, um, you know, and it's super important to, you know, to make sure that you take care of, you know, take care of your voice and things like that. Um, so I'm just very much more cognizant of those types of things. Absolutely. And speaking of taking care of your voice, it's been 15 years since the announcement of, of, of MS for you or you having MS. What you know, can, can you kind of talk about actually sharing that at that time and then where you are now health-wise? Right. Well, you know, I'm glad to say health-wise I'm doing very well. Um, have not really had any issues with that. And, um, you know, I think for me it was important at that time to share what I was going through because with MS, you know, a lot of people, it's not something that people can see. So it isn't something that you may look at me and say, wow, she feels terrible today. Um, but um, it's it's one of those things that you are sort of physically going through and, and mentally as well. And um, um, I just thought it was important to share it. And still now um, I get people who tell me for the first time, you know, before they tell anyone else that they they are also dealing with MS as well. And it is sort of, you know, a lot of people's private journey, but I felt like it was important for me to share to share my and that, you know, um, to, you know, sort of, I guess, inspire or, you know, they've certainly, people with MS have inspired me throughout the years as well. So it's been, um, it's been an amazing um, opportunity um, to share my story with people and to also have them share their story with me as well. A couple of last thoughts with Tamia. Of course, you can follow her on Twitter at Real Tamia World. So the performances can. I know you've been. Well, I would assume anyway. I shouldn't say for sure, but mm-hmm. you've you know kind of maybe been touring or doing uh, doing yeah, some performances. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, kind of kind of speak to that and still. You know, because you're young. I mean, I, I got you by maybe a year or two. You're still young and still able to kind of do your thing on <laughs> stage, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Listen, I yeah. So the last tour I was on was with Love Life, and it was amazing. We had uh, an amazing tour, and I'm actually looking forward to touring again. You know, when the album comes out September 7th, I'm sure I'll be gearing up um, for another tour because we're working on that right now. But that's the best part yep. of of the music for me is sort of getting it out there and and having the music connect with people. You know, when you're doing an album, you're in the studio, and for me, I certainly put on put songs on my projects that I love and that I connect with. But there's nothing like seeing the song that you love connect with other people. And so um, I look, I'm looking forward to that the most. Absolutely. How's how's hubby and 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 and, and the family doing? I know last we talked. He was still playing in the league, had a, a phenomenal career. But he, listen, he may be as good a broadcaster as he was he when is, he played. He, he really is. I'm so proud of him. <laughs> he's, he's doing a great job, um, certainly staying busy with that and, um, you know, and some other things that we have going on. And, you know, certainly proud of him that he's going into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah. So, um, looking forward to that in September as well. So September will be busy for us, but um, looking forward to that. Yeah. Now, are outside, are you are you a sports fan? Like outside of when Grant, you know, Grant played and so forth. Uh, you know, I think Grant will tell you that I'm not as excited. <laughs> I wasn't as excited to watch him play as I am with my children, but. <laughs> you know, but. Because I'm definitely that mom in the stands, but um, we love. Are you? Uh, sort of, kind of. Don't tell me, but yes. Um, but um, uh, but you know, we we love sports. You know, I have one who plays basketball, one who plays soccer, but we and then the other one actually, you know, my oldest also does water skiing and things like that. So um, we are definitely a sports oriented family we go to football games and and things like that but um you know but also next week we'll go see hamilton so i like to keep our house well-rounded 
Absolutely. The album, Passion yeah. Like Fire, out on September the 7th. Look for it. Also, follow Tamia on Twitter at Real Tamia World as she joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Tamia, great to catch up with you. Continued success in all you do. Thank you. Thank you. So Tamia is saying she's one of those moms in the stands when her children are playing sports. But again, a great 20 year career that continues on. More of the program on the other side. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. Let me give you a sneak peek of the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, which is up on our website right now at BoxToRow.com. Started things off on Tuesday previewing Edward Waters. And our latest preview, and this is Monday through Friday, um, with our HBCU Football Daily Podcast on Friday, uh, we previewed Langston. Giving you a little bit of a preview, this is how it goes as on Thursday, we previewed West Virginia State and had head football coach John Pennington as a guest. Wow, what a season. Like, we followed you all year, and I know some of the voters at points in our poll wanted to kind of give you um, some votes because, I mean, you guys, especially for a first season, and you're in a very tough conference in the mountains. I mean, anytime you're in the same conference with a team by the name of Shepard, who has been so good for so long, you know you're in a tough conference. Talk about last year in that six and five win, especially that last win of the season that put you over the top in terms of having a winning season. Well, you know, you know, having that that first winning season was a big step uh, for our program, but but certainly no one in our program is uh, satisfied or excited about going six and five. You know, being uh, being average is, is kind of like a, a, a bad word in our building. And, you know, we want to be great. We want to do something that's never been done at West Virginia State. We want to win championships. And, and that's what we have our sights set on. And uh, it, it was definitely a, a big win that last game of the year to kind of put us over that hump and to get the, the so-called monkey off our back. But we're, we're bound and determined to win championships. And uh, our, our players are working hard. Our coaches are working hard. And uh, we're doing everything and anything we can to try and take that next step. And, uh, for us, it's all about building a tough, connected football team. So I uh, got a lot of – and uh, learned a lot from last season. You know, uh, not only uh, did our team learn a lot, but I learned a lot as a coach, uh, you know, being my first year as a head coach. There were just some little things along the way that I picked up that I, I think I, I could feel a little bit more comfortable with this year and, uh, and running the program. But we, we have such a great relationship with our players that, uh, you know, we're, we're all we all have a role on the team myself included so we're all we're all in this together and everyone's just trying to dominate their role and and uh be the best uh at, at every at your particular role that you can be and that includes me and our coaching staff and i think if everybody does that then we'll be able to achieve everything we want to achieve but uh taking the first step to get that that winning season was big and we're trying to build off that and uh you know with, with a little bit of confidence coming into this season and uh, our guys learning how to win that was the the biggest thing that we had to change at West Virginia State, it was a culture that, that hadn't won in years, you know, almost a decade. So uh, we had to teach them how to win, you know, every day, every in everything that we did, we were trying to win and find little wins and build on those. And we were able to do that throughout the season and put it all together uh, last game of the year. And our guys, uh, I think they understand, you know, w- w- the kind of work ethic it takes. And now we've got to put it all together this season. Absolutely. You know, I got to be honest with you, because going back to 2016, I knew that this probably was going to be a solid season. But that opening game against the University of Charleston, I mean, this is a, a, a team or a program that's, you know, been in the playoffs more recently. You get that victory 51 to 28. You then proceed to lose three straight. But then you went in a four game winning streak and it began with your rival um, defeating Glenville State. Kind of, kind of, what, what, what led to sort of that rebound uh, from losing those three games in a row to winning the next four? Well, you know, anytime you, you know you lose a couple football games, uh, you, you got you got a couple directions you can go. You know, you you can you can put your your tail between your legs and 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 you know uh, go go in the go in the opposite direction, or you know you can accept the challenge. You can try and learn what you need to learn from those bad experiences so that you can win the next time around. That's something that, that we emphasize every single day, that whether we win or lose or we have a good day or a bad day, 
we have to have a growth mindset. How, how can we use this to move forward? If, if, if we faced a tough loss, I know last year we, we lost on uh, – we had a chance to have a winning season in our senior – uh, our seniors' final home game. It was a game we should have won. We had the lead, I think, by three touchdowns in the fourth quarter and lost. And, uh, you know, what we told our team the next day was good. Good. We're glad that happened. We learned our lesson. We learned that you have to prepare and you have to be, you know, locked in for every single play of every single game and you got to prepare the right way or, or you're, you're not going to win. And uh, that was something that we learned from a tough loss. And, you know, we can learn from wins too, but usually – Losses, the ones that sting, they, they help you learn the most. So sometimes you go on a losing streak, it, it's, it's a good thing for your program. And I think, uh, in my mind, everything that happens happens for a reason, and it's all to set us up to win a championship in the future. So uh, if we do lose a couple games in a row, you know, it's just on us to figure out why that's happening and try and find a solution. And, um, you know, one of the things I've learned from great coaches like Monty Cater and Shepard and Tony DeMeo, former coach at UC, and Carl Lee and, and some and, uh, uh, Ori Banks at West Virginia State is, you know, you, you have to expect to win. You have to expect that your team's going to win and find a way to bounce back and um, no matter what. And so that's what we try to do at West Virginia State is build that culture uh, of a growth mindset and, and expecting to win because they hadn't won before. So uh, now, you know, with the winning season and having overcome some, some difficult losing streaks, I think our team realizes what it takes to win and the kind of mentality you have to have to do it. And so we're, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to constantly teach that lesson. What did you learn about, that's a good point. What did you learn about yourself last year as a first year head coach at West Virginia state? Well, I learned that I have a lot to learn. <laughs> that was probably, <laughs> uh, the, the thing that I learned the most was, uh, you know, it, it's, there's just going to be some circumstances and things that happen you know, that, that you can't really prepare for. You know, uh, obviously, as a head coach, you have to do more than just, you know, call plays. You have to uh, deal with uh, players and their problems and helping them with, you know, academics and off-the-field issues and girlfriends that are pregnant and things that things that happen uh, to, to young men when you have 100 of them on your football team. There's going to be uh, a lot of difficulties, a lot of, uh, you know, deaths in the family and uh, things like that that you have to deal with. And, um, you know, sometimes you're – your buses come late or, you know, the, but anything can go wrong. And there's just, I just learned that I just have to, um, you know, I have to expect things to happen. And, and when they come across my desk, I got to try and find a solution. And uh, when, when, when things don't happen, then it's a good day. And I can just focus, just, just know that, that there's going to be fires I have to put out throughout the day, that, that there's going to be something that goes wrong and everyone's going to look to me for the answers. So uh, it's going to be my job to make sure that I handle it. Um, you know, like a champion and, and like I want our guys to handle things. And if I can do that and role model the way, then, then we're going to be successful. But there's going to be things that happen this season that, you know, that there's no way for me to prepare for. But I'm always prepared to be able to handle any situation. And uh, I think that's what that first year taught me. John Pennington in his second season as the head football coach at West Virginia State joins us here on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Speaking of preparation, unfortunately for you, Coach Pennington, you have to be prepared or are prepared or getting prepared for the fact that Matt uh, Kinnick will not be with you this year. Your quarterback, Quentin Gray, also wide receiver. Both of these guys had tremendous seasons last year. As a matter of fact, Kinnick threw for almost 3,000 yards, completing 67% of his passes, 28 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. And then you're talking about Quentin Gray, 89 receptions on the season, 982 yards, 15 touchdowns. I, I, I know you can't replace this duo, but, you know, talk about not, ha well, not having these guys for this upcoming season and who are some of those guys, maybe the quarterback and some other wide receivers that you expect to step up in 2018. Well, I, I, one of the things that's going to help that more than anything is we have Austin Hensley coming back, who's an incredible football player. Uh, you know, he's, he's uh, one of the best, if not the best quarterback in the conference and you know, he, he backed up Matt Kinnick, um, you know, for two years, but he played quite a bit. He's got, uh, he's got a couple records in our record book already, uh, most passing yards in a game and passing efficiency in the season. So uh, he, he knows exactly what he's doing, and he makes our receivers better. He, he's a better thrower than Matt Kinnick was. Um, so he's going to be able to sit in that pocket and, and make some throws that, that, uh, that Matt couldn't make. So I think, um, you know, Matt obviously was a great player, but our receivers are excited for Austin because – uh, he can he can really throw that ball to anywhere any, anybody on the field. So 
I think you'll see some of the other receivers' numbers come up. Um, you know, so you can't really replace a guy like Quentin Gray. Um, but we have a lot of guys that are poised to kind of, uh, you know, make up for that uh, loss of production. And, you know, Tyrell Henderson is, is one of the best receivers in the conference. Uh, has, has had uh, a couple injuries throughout the years, but if he's healthy, there's nobody better. Uh, A.J. Barrett uh, has had a couple productive having Austin uh, to throw to him is going to benefit him greatly. And then Zach Tate, another returning starter who will move into the slot uh, for Quentin Gray and has uh, had, a, had a good year last year, had some injuries, but uh, he was Austin Hensley's high school teammate. So those guys have a connection, um, kind of like Matt Kinnick and Quentin Gray did, that I think you'll – uh, you'll see a lot of production out of this season. But uh, I think Austin is, uh, is going to really replace a lot of that by being able to throw the ball to the outside receivers a little more. And uh, we're excited to see what Austin can do. I know he's excited. He, he had, his, had his chance to sit behind Matt last year, did a great job learning from Matt and how to be, you know, a consistent leader the way Matt was. And uh, Austin's been running the show since the spring, and uh, we're, we're, we couldn't be more excited to see him this fall. Khalil Wilkins, a redshirt freshman for you last year, you're running back. I know he can't remember it was first or second team, but I know he was an all mech performer, 819 yards rushing, 6.1 yards per carry, five touchdowns. He comes back. I'm, I'm sure he'll continue to be an integral part of your offense. Yeah, Khalil had a great, you know, great year last year. He, he missed a couple games, but uh, had some ankle surgery in the offseason, and uh, he looks better than ever. You know, he, he's a uh, a good young man. He's got a great, uh, a great love for West Virginia State and the game of football. And um, you know, he's really maturing. He's starting to kind of figure it out. Uh, you know, in the classroom a little bit this summer, and then trying to get, uh, get, get the leadership kind of moving forward. Again, a little plug for you to check out the HBCU football daily podcast, and you can do so by logging on to our website at boxtorow.com. On the right hand side, you'll see the uh, banner for the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Tamia for joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And uh, for more information on the program, log on to our website at BoxToRow.com. Also follow us on Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Tell a friend about the show as we're here on the radio station that you're currently catching us on each and every week. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. So